Pick up, bro. Uh, I was not. I was not near the computer, so I'm not recording yet. Oh, I'm about to God. press the record button. God <laughs> damn it! I know it's not cool. I was really looking forward to straightening. Oh, it. I dude, I pressed the wrong button. All right, there we go. Yeah, you're not supposed to press your thumb into your butthole. You're supposed to hit record on your computer. God damn it! Really? Hey everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Oh, I was trying to press my thumb into my butthole, and I was like, why is this not working? It's the wrong button. Oh, what's that button that I was pressing? (laughs) The butthole button? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's your butthole. (laughs) Oh, that's my butthole. Man. Yeah. Yeah, this works a lot better. Well, it's ideal for recording, yeah. The other button's good for whatever you're trying to do over there, but... Zip. All right, well, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We are now doing two episodes a week because we love you guys. It brings a little normalcy to our hectic lives. We're all still quarantined. Actually, we're recording this a few days before Monday, so who knows what's happening now. Things are changing really quickly in the world. Here's what I decided to do, dude. I turn off all notifications on my phone and my iPad. I'm like, I'll find out about what I need to find out about. I don't need to be fucking coronavirus to the max. So what we're doing because uh, we're, you know, the school's out is we're they're basically sending us like my kid also goes to a Montessori school. It's not private; it's a public Montessori school. But we're basically been been given the materials of where all the kids are at to sort of continue the schooling at home, which is kind of freaky. Isabel's working at home now. We're pretty much locked down. So it's been interesting to try to find different ways of, I mean, we're telling Nova about the virus, uh, but we're not telling her a lot of grim details about it. We're obviously trying to keep her from freaking out and protect her from some of it. And it's just weird. Most of my, most of my closest friends work in the entertainment industry. So a lot of text threads going around. I'll tell you what we did finally. Oh, okay. First of all, so we need to talk about um, um, blind love. Or Love is Blind. One of the cool things that has happened is me and Isabel have been watching a movie together every night, which is pretty rare for us. So the first one we watch is a movie I wasn't even aware of called Shot Caller. Have you heard of this? No. It's with the guy that plays Jamie Lannister. It's basically Brawl and Cell Block 99. It's not as good as that, but it's the same premise. This guy who's just a... Oh, I thought you said Shock Caller. No, Shock Caller. I've seen Shock Caller. Yeah. It's Brawl and Cell Block 99. But I haven't seen Shock Caller. I also haven't seen shock. I mean, I'm wearing a shock collar that my wife can activate at any moment. Hold on. Zip. I'm wearing a shock collar, but in my butt. Is that is Ooh. that what you're supposed to do with it? I don't know. I've never tried that. So last night, we watched Always Be My Maybe, which wins the award for worst film title of all time. But it was a pretty cute movie. Romantic comedy. I recommend it if you want to watch something with your significant other. Is that the one that Ali Wong wrote? I don't know who wrote it. Are there Asian people starring? Yeah, in it's it? an a- it's Asian people. Yeah, that's Ali Wong wrote that. It's really it's pretty good actually. How how about how awful that title is though? Always be my maybe. Uh. Yeah, Ali Wong did write it. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Did you listen to her on uh, Conan's podcast? No, I haven't heard that yet. Ah, uh, 
So good. I'm going to check it out, though, because I thought this movie was pretty good. She's genius funny. So then last night, Isabel's like, hey, we should watch uh, uh, Love is Blind together. It'll be like when we watch Jersey Shore. And it, that was the key for it for me, because we started watching Jersey Shore when it was maybe two or three years old, just for fun, just to make fun of it. But right. But I legitimately fell in love and still love the show the Jersey Shore. I've seen every season. I've seen every episode multiple times. And I will stand by it as one of the greatest reality TV shows of all time. So she said it was like, this could be our new Jersey Shore. And I thought, well, that's that reminded me of a nice time in our relationship together. All right, let's give it a shot. So we started watching it last night. Oh, my God, dude. It's so good. Okay, well, we only watched the first episode, so I don't know how far in you are. I've watched the entire thing and the reunion. The reunion? <laughs> Didn't it just come oh, yeah. out? No, it came out like six months ago or whatever, and then wow. they just had the reunion show came out like a couple weeks ago. Between now and, and uh, Thursday's episode, I'm going to try to catch up. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do some mental gymnastics here and just stick with me on episode one, okay? It's totally bingeable. You can watch the entire thing, uh, all eight episodes or ten up, whatever it is. Uh, it it doesn't get old. Well, tonight tonight we're watching Brawl and Subluck nine uh, ninety nine, which will be my fifth time seeing it. But um, my wife liked Shot Caller so much, I was like, hey, we absolutely have to watch Brawl and Subluck 99. Because Shot Caller is really similar premise. For those of you who haven't seen it, Jamie Lannister is a normal dad, husband, business guy, gets a DUI. He kills one of his friends in a drunk driving accident, goes to prison, and to survive prison gets wrapped up in this white power stuff. And that's the premise of them. And then he gets out 10 years later. And so... What's his marriage like? What's he like as a dad? You know, what 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 he did to survive, did that become who he actually is now? And so, uh, would you agree that's a pretty good synopsis of the film? It's a pretty good synopsis, but it's also bringing up all of my prison terror. Oh, me too. And fear. Me too. Well, you know do my, you, you know me with that. Well, do you have, like, I used to, I haven't had them in a while, but I used to have dreams where I'm, like, in my dreams, I'm going to prison. And I don't know why I'm going to prison necessarily. Maybe I murdered somebody. I don't know. But I'm definitely on my way to prison. I'm in the bus and I'm about to be like integrated into the prison. I'm never in the prison. I'm being about to go to prison. And then I wake up because I'm so scared. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had two reoccurring nightmares my whole life. That's one of them. One of them is, and I'm telling you my whole life, one of them is I'm at a party with my girlfriend and it's really crowded. There are people everywhere. And then I can't find her for a really long period of time. And at first I'm like, ah, she's just mingling. Then I started to get worried. And then I'm like going room to room. And I'm like, hey, have you seen my, have you seen whoever? The girl ne is never anyone in particular. It never matters. And everyone's like, no, no. And then when I finally find her, she's in the middle of a big circle and everyone's laughing. And I'm, I go up to her and I'm like, hey, I've been looking for you. I've been worried about you. And then she doesn't know who I am. So that's one. Wake up sobbing to that one. That's uh, horrible. Horrible. What's really crazy, dude, is Randy Newman has a song on his album Sail Away from 1975 where he, he has a song about that exact dream. Huh. Uh, when I first got hip to Randy Newman, because of you, by the way, and I started deep, it's a deep cut. I started getting deep into that album Sail Away. When I heard that song, it scared me to death because it's that exact dream. It's called Last, uh, in the dream I had last night, I was there. You. It's called Last Night I Had a Dream. Anyway, my second reoccurring dream is, like you, I'm going to jail. I've committed some crime. The crime is never revealed in the dream. Doesn't even matter. 
And I'm so fucked in my dream that I'm not even on the bus to jail. I'm still at home, but they basically said, hey, you got two weeks to say goodbye to everybody. They're not even watching right. me. They're not worried. I'm yeah. going anywhere. That's how fucked I am. So I'm basically telling like my loved ones, hey, don't come visit. Like I'm, I'm going away forever. That's it, you know? And uh, it's me going to jail, and I'll never see it. My life's over. And that's why I developed my strategy for surviving jail, which you know what that is, right? Uh, we'll talk about it on The Secret Weekly. It's a pretty vulgar strategy, but it's my real strategy for day one in the courtyard when I'm We actually may have talked about it on this podcast okay. before. Okay, maybe we have. So if somebody's binged it, they're like, oh, we already know what it is. We don't need to wait for The Secret Weekly, bitch. <laughs> So we start watching Love is Blind last night, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Bob told me about this. This is the pod people. These, these are the people who get married, and they've never seen each other. And Isabel's like, yeah. I'm like, I just can't believe it. So in episode one, you're getting to know everybody. I was surprised that everybody, a lot of unattractive people, which I guess is the point, right? The point is you want them to kind of be unattractive so that when they finally see each other, they're like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Because here's the deal. Being attracted to somebody does matter. They act like all these things that should matter don't matter there's like a really big fundamental flaw in the show all right i've seen the whole thing i'm not going to give any spoilers away but i'm going to say this kind of like the way the world is like you're like well the world seems like it's got a lot of flaws and it's kind of fucked up but the reason the world is the way it is is because it's kind of perfect the way it is the way it is it's kind of perfect there's a lot of drama there's a lot of craziness there's a lot of shit that you can point at and go that's fucked up But if you didn't have that fucked up thing, you couldn't point at that other thing that's really amazing and go, oh, that's really amazing. If everything was wonderful and perfect in the world and there was no problems with it, then everything would be the same and it wouldn't, you wouldn't know the difference. You have to have the shitty with the good to make life seem amazing and crazy and wonderful. Now this show, same thing. So and you've only seen the first episode, so I can't tell you any more than that. But I will just say this. This show is perfect. And I can't wait for the next season. How many episodes are there per season? Ten. Something like that. And is season two the same people or different people? It'll be different people the second season. Okay. Well, I guess it was successful because they've renewed it. But, uh, okay. Well, I mean, so in, in episode one, so there's, there's like ten dudes and ten chicks. And the whole idea is... They're going to go into these pods. And when you were describing them as pods, I was thinking like fire in the sky, like alien pods. They're basically these private confessional rooms with couches and cocktails and chocolates. And you can't see the person, but you can hear them. And it's and they have little notepads. And they, they ask, uh, it's like dates. They go on dates. They ask icebreaker type questions. They joke around. But they also ask big questions about kids, background, family, and the, if I'm being generous to the show, the premise is people are going to fall in love with you for who you are, not what you look like. I guess whoever was coming up with the show, they thought, well, we have to really take it far. We, we can't just have people connect like that. So now they get engaged and fall in love without ever seeing each other. Well, no, here's the, here's the premise of the show. The premise is you're going to meet somebody that you've never seen. You're going to propose to them. And then... Then you get to see them. Then there's a timeline before they they get married. So it's like, I don't know if it's 40, it's 30 or 40 days. It's something like that. It's a limited amount of time from the time it starts until the wedding day. I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say 
that there's going to be a wedding day for at least one couple, if not numerous, numerous couples. Right. So after after the first episode, one couple got engaged. Right. But what happens that's crazy when you watch it, and again, there's so much I want to talk about, but I'm going to stick to the first episode. Yeah. At first, you're just like, oh, what's going to happen? Because there are some unattractive men and unattractive women. Yeah. And then there's some attractive people as well. And I want to talk about that, but we'll talk about that more as we get into future episodes. But what ends up happening when you're just talking to somebody, you can imagine them to be anything you want them to be. So the thing that's crazy about the show is that if you meet somebody and you're enjoying the conversation with them, in your mind, you just make them into whoever you want them to be, like the ideal person. So it's easy to fall in love with that kind of a person because... They don't have, you know what I mean? It's it's just like when you meet somebody and fall in love in real life. Now, granted, you're you're physically attracted to them as well as emotionally attracted. But when the two click, when you're like, oh, I like the way they look. Oh, they're pinging some emotional bells from my childhood or whatever. When that happens, you're like, oh, this is the person. But they're not, you don't know that person. You just know part of the person that they've let you know in that first couple dates. Everybody's kind of putting up a guard. Nobody's like coming out and farting in your face. You you still haven't farted in front of your wife and you've known her for 55 years. <laughs> so what I'm saying is like when they're in the pods, they're falling in love for real. But they're falling in love with some completely fabricated sort of fantasy ideal of who that person is. And you know how it is. I'm that way. You're that way. We fall in love easily. But I think they're also falling in love with being on television. There's this whole third factor of they're being filmed and observed and televised and could potentially become celebrities based on how they, quote unquote, perform in this environment. There's the 15 minutes of fame thing wrapped up in it, too, which I think distorts everything. Well, there's definitely some people on the show that are there for that reason, and I guarantee you the next season, now that the first season's come out and people have seen what it is and how it works, mm-hmm. it's going to be all people like that. Right, like, right. Everybody that auditions for that show is going to want to become a reality star. The same way that everybody that gets on The Bachelor and Bachelorette now, they know what they're getting into. They're going to get a million followers on Instagram and you know their lives are going to change. Well, and I I think one of the reasons that I absolutely just abhor reality shows, like I've never watched any reality shows since the real world. And I think maybe what was the show where it was like washed up celebrities that like Flavor Flav was on? I watched whatever that was with Vanilla Ice and shit. Remember that? What Yeah, I remember it, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was like washed up celebrities. Oh yeah, maybe it was celebrity rehab. Yeah, is that what it was? I, it, uh, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. I did watch that, but anyways, that was gross. By the way, with Flavor Flav and what's her name got fucking the chick. Yeah, uh, the blonde haired chick, Sylvester Stallone's ex wife. Is that who that was? Yeah, what's her name? Red Sonia. <laughs> Red Sonia. <laughs> she played Red Sonia in the movie. Uh, <laughs> that was so <laughs> gross, dude. Oh god! Because she was she's she was past her prime. Oh, Bridget Nielsen. And Bridget Nielsen. It was called the Surreal Life. The Surreal Life. She was so crazy and past her prime, and he's gross. Like he, uh, he he's not attractive. He's not an attractive dude. And the two of them together, it was just like ugh, so gnarly. 
So that would have been season three. So we have Charo, Dave Coulier. I forgot Dave Coulier. <laughs> oh, Flavor Flav, Jordan Knight, Bridget Nielsen, and Ryan Starr. Oh, my God. But they were the stars of the show. Big for time. Sure. And then I remember, uh, I remember the one after that had DeBrat, Adrian, Adriana Curry, Christopher Knight, which they got together, Chris Knight and Adrian Curry. Marcus Schink- I, don't even, I don't even know who those people are. Mar- Marcus Schinkenberger and Vern Troyer. I remember that one because that Vern Troyer guy, who's dead now, I guess. Uh, I remember he uh, he like was just getting hammered on that show. Holy shit! Season five had H- Jose Canseco. Oh man, these shows are so gross. Anyway, the reason that I liked the Real World so much is because I don't know if you did you watch the Real World, the MTV Real World, the original ones in the mid nineties. I watched one or two. I didn't. I didn't watch it religiously. I watched maybe one. I I know I watched maybe the first one or the second. I didn't even watch the one in Austin. Well, the well, it got really shitty it, because a bun- right. it just became a bunch of pretty people trying to become celebrities. But the first few years really was average-looking people who worked their normal jobs, and it was kind of boring, but in a really fascinating way. I don't even know if... I guess they all did live in a house, but they all just had their normal jobs, and they were just normal people, and that was good. Then it became beauty contests, popularity contests. They'd put them all in, a ho- in some weird house. Then they'd make them all work the same job. And the the logical conclusion of that would, of course, be the Jersey Shore, which I thought was great for entertainment purposes, but not as an observation of reality. The Love is Blind thing is definitely going to change. Season one's going to be its own thing. It's going to be different from now on. There's no way it could be. Right. Season one, and here, here's what's going to change. I'll tell you. Once you've seen the rest of them, we'll talk about it some more. I'll tell you the things that's going to change on the other. But I, I my only real world story is when I was in... Uh, I recorded a record with Ugly Americans in 1995 called Stereophonic Spanish Fly, and we re- we mixed it at this really famous uh, guy's, uh, Jack Joseph Puig's uh, place in L.A. And me and Bruce, I guess, flew out there and were there hanging out. And one day this guy walks into the studio, and I was like, where do I know you from? Did, did we go to school together? And he's like, I was on The Real World. And I was like, oh, okay. That's it. That's the whole story. It's not that great. <laughs> Which real world was he on? I don't know. What's his name? I don't remember. Well, it was. I think he was like the star. He was kind of like the breakout star from the first or the second one. But it, you'd recognize him if you saw him. And this was in San Francisco. No, L.A. Oh, okay. Well, the big star from those early ones was this guy named Puck, who was just a really gross, horrible guy. Do you remember that name at all, Puck? I think maybe that was the guy that I met. Really? Was he? They had blonde hair, like blonde spiky hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. who it was. That's who he it is. Was Puck. He was like a bike messenger, and he was kind of famous for being an asshole and for blowing snot rockets. Yeah, that was the guy. I'm looking him up right now. Yeah. So he came into the studio one day. I'm like, "Where do I know you from?" He was like, "Oh yeah, so I was in the real world." Man, what year would this have been? Ninety-five. Oh, so that was fresh. He was still famous because his episode was in his his season was ninety-four. Yeah. So yeah, he was. Man. Yeah, I mean, they they weren't going to have any old. Uh, this were only uh, in that studio. You had to be hip and cool to be in there. As of 2013, he has a third child with his wife. He lives on a farm in Nenach, California, raising chickens and vegetables, racing four wheeled ATVs, and lives quote unquote off the grid. What are the chances of you getting off the grid? I mean, I like the idea of being off the grid. Uh, it it requires a lot of work. Here's the thing that I don't do. Uh, besides make art and music and podcasts 
I don't do a lot of stuff. The one, one thing about being kind of housebound here for the next few months, I've gotten a lot of stuff done that I've been wanting to do for a long time that I've never gotten around to do. Like what? Like cleaning out my garage. But I think everybody's cleaning out their garage. My neighbors said they went to Goodwill because they were cleaning out their garage and they said it was like uh, these long lines of Goodwill of people. You you mean coronavirus will? Uh. <laughs> Coronaville. Wasting away again in Corona, Bill. <laughs> Trying to get rid of this old Corona covered shit. Coughing off a lung in Coronaville. <laughs> <laughs> Pneumonia fucking city in Coronaville. Yeah, uh, we've. I've been doing a lot of deep cleaning too, just to feel useful, just to feel like I'm doing something, changing strings on guitars and yeah, writing songs on my kiddo and. Just trying to, I am getting a lot of reading done. That's felt good and productive. The gym is closed, so I've. I'm, we went for a walk yesterday. I'm going to go for a run today in the actual outside world. I've been walking every day for like hours, and I told this guy literally three months ago that I was going to start walking because he's going to come to Austin and take some pictures of me and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to start, and then I never did, and now I've been overdoing it, of course, but. Are you walking with like headphones and listening to podcasts or music or anything? Uh, I've been walking with headphones and making calls or not listening to anything and just enjoying nature or just talking to my neighbors who I run into, like, you know, in the neighborhood. You know, I live in a great place where there's no sidewalks. It's kind of out in the country. It's not really in the country, but it's feels like it's out in the country. And so you walk around out here. It's really nice. It's really peaceful. Man, maybe we'll have to talk about this on The Secret Weekly. Or we can do it now. We've still got about seven minutes. But, you know, you've been talking to your Mormon neighbors. I had these two Mormon kids come by the house. And uh, and instead of sending them away or saying no thanks, I invited them in. We talked for about an hour. And we've become friends. And now they've been, well, until Corona hit, they were coming once a week for the next six weeks. And we've had two... 90 minute sessions now where we talk about religion and science. We've been reading the book of Mormon together. And uh, I guess there's a lot to say about that, but that's been an interesting thing that's been going on. Uh, on. And why, why are you doing that? I don't know why I've always, I did it with some Jehovah's witnesses once and they never came back. And I guess I just thought, I just always wanted to do that instead of, do the knee jerk like no thanks i don't i'm not interested in mormonism instead of taking that like i'm not interested in mormonism really there's nothing they're going to say that is going to convince me that mormonism is metaphysically true um i'm beyond that but just giving them an opportunity to sit in my studio and hear their story tell them about me give them a different perspective on what they thought an atheist would be like i don't know just like start a relationship that maybe later for one of the at least one of these kids will they'll think about you know and maybe it'll help get them out of out of this weird thing they believe well did i tell you that i had two missionaries come over too i thought you had told me that your neighbors were more oh your neighbors are jehovah's witnesses but yeah no my my neighbors are mormons okay okay and i had thanksgiving with them that's because right. my wife and daughter were out of town right and i met these two young guys who are they're on their mission zip i hung out over there for a while for a couple hours we were playing like 
like online trivia games and stuff. And uh, they were great, really nice guys. But then I kept running into them and I don't go out or do anything. So I went, like I saw them at Target, I saw them at P. Terry's and uh, I just kept running into them. Oh, and I, I guess I told them about uh, Monday nights at Saxon Pub. I was like, yeah, if you guys ever want to come to a show, I don't know if you can go out to shows. I don't think they can actually. I don't think they can go to bars, but it's like, if you guys ever, ever want to come, here's my number. I gave it to them. And then they contacted me and they were like, Hey, we'd love to come over sometime. I'm like, yeah, anytime. So they came over and we hung out. And I, like when they texted me, I was like, as long as we don't talk about Jesus. But, um, I didn't say that. I was like, yeah, come on over. And so they came over and we just hung out and talked about not about religion and not about God or anything. We just hung out. I think, but I think that's the thing now. They tell those guys, hey, look, coming on strong with the Jesus stuff with people is not going to work. What works is building a relationship and then discussing stuff, you know, once you have a relationship. I think that's the way it works. Right. I don't know. We never talked about it. And then at the end, of course, me, uh, I started talking about God and stuff and why it's important in my life and why, you know, I thought thought it was great that they were doing what they were doing because it strengthen, strengthens their uh, connection with God, which I, I, I think that's important. I think it's important to have some spiritual connection. But I will say this, man, when the shit hit the fan, you know, two weeks ago or we, whenever a week ago, you know, two weeks ago with this uh, shutting everything down uh, for what I, you know, what, what you and me do for a living. That whole abstract idea of God and everything, when 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 things get weird and you have fear and anxiety, it's kind of hard to to make believe in that stuff, you know? Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no, we're just insects. There's no God. We're just, it's random, and we're here, and we're going to die. Mm-hmm. But I don't find any comfort in that at all. Like, I find zero comfort in that idea. And the people that I know that are really deeply religious, they're fine. They're fine right now. Well, it's the, the facing reality isn't meant to be comforting. And I, I think the fact that it doesn't comfort you is a good indication that it's probably actually true instead of, <laughs> instead of a bunch of fairy tales that make you feel better. Because you should be skeptical of any belief that flatters your frail ego. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the universal you. And I, know, I, know, I know you believe that, but here's the thing. I need something. The reason that people have God the reason that we've created God or the idea of God is to provide some comfort in an otherwise really hard, uh, difficult existence that only gets more difficult as you get older. Right. And so I need something like that in my life to comfort me. Now, I, I don't, uh, the, the problem with me is the idea that I know anything. And as soon as I start thinking that I know something, whether it's there is a God or we're insects, I know I'm wrong because you can't know anything. We're, we don't know what this is. We don't know what this experience is. And the minute that we think we do know, then whether it's science or religion or whatever it is, we're, I think we're fooling ourselves. Well, I mean, yeah, but that, that paints my position into something that it's not. So I'm not saying I know any of that. I think we start from things that we can agree on, which we are animals. We are just creatures on the planet. Now, what a religious person would say is, well, but we're, but we're meant for something more. There's, we're that plus this extra woo-woo. And that's where I say, well, no one knows that. We, you don't know that, and I don't know that. 
both claims, like, it's not like my position is over here equal to their position. I'm just not willing to assent to any woo-woo crap. We all agree that we're creatures on the planet, that we're just animals. Now, are right. we animals with a soul? The religious person says, yes, we are that. That is a fact. My position is, eh, I don't know. I don't see any reason to believe it, but I'm not saying we're not. I just don't know. It doesn't seem right. like it. And that, that was a big part of talking to these dudes, too, is there were a lot of those kinds of like real fundamental misconceptions where they were like, they were like, well, atheists are just, all they do is appeal to science, and they have just as much faith as we do that there isn't a God. And it was like, no, no, that's not the case. Uh, an atheist, there's nothing, there's no content in an atheist belief. There's no atheist Bible. An atheist just says, well, what do you got for me? Oh, Joseph Smith read some magical tablets out of a, with a magic hat? Sorry, no thanks. Not good enough for me. I'm not saying that there is no God, but I mean, I am saying that that doesn't sound true. It's for sure not true. Good God. <laughs> well, I said to him, he was like, what do you know about Mormonism? Because I was like, why would I believe that the Mormon Bible is true? I was like, here's what I, here's what I know about it. I was like, Joseph Smith found the tablets. He, he dug them out of the ground and he couldn't read them because they were written in an ancient language. And he had a magic hat and he would look into the magic hat and every rune or every different letter god would reveal it to him and that's how he wrote the entire book is that am i correct dude, here's, here's and the guy why I know that- dude the guy goes listen listen the guy goes well i mean that's kind of a weird way to put it but yeah that is what happened i was like dude that's ah! not- i said that's not a weird way to put it that's what happened here's why i know it's all made up you know why guess what there isn't any record of or guess what they never had found or guess what they never had ever golden tablets golden tablets if he would have walked out with a golden tablet and said, look, I found this golden tablet, I'd be like, you've got my attention, motherfucker. But see, that wouldn't even be good enough for me. Let's say some guy has a golden tablet. Hey, I found this in the ground. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what does it say? I, I don't know. No one does. But I'll tell you what, I have a hat back in my apartment. And uh, tell you what, I'm going to look at that hat. And then I'm going to tear- translate the tablets. Well, can anyone else verify that what you're reading is true no just me because god told me i'm not i'm not believing any of that shit <laughs> people find a lot of comfort in mormonism it's not even mormonism anymore they've ch- the, the the guy who runs the church now says we're not going to use mormon anymore we're gonna we're only gonna use i don't even think it's latter-day saints it's something else i don't know the guy's real old that that's running the church and he's got a direct connect to god so everything he says now they got to go with and um till the next guy comes and changes it all but um well you know what i hope he says real soon to his congregation yeah <laughs> well here's what i know about all those guys they're all stocked up they're ready to go so i mean i did i did text my neighbor um to find out how they were doing and and they were like we're doing great and i'm like i bet they are i bet they are because they are strong in their faith and uh i think that's great i think that's a good thing so yeah, just because it doesn't work for me or you doesn't mean it's not a great thing for, for for those people. And like I said, I loved hanging out with those guys. They were they were really nice. And uh, <laughs> Are you done kissing religious people's asses? Are we still in this portion of the show? I'm not kissing their asses. I'm just saying I like the people that I know that are strong in their faith who aren't trying to uh, push it on me. I they're Those people are good. Uh, the people that have the people that I have a problem with are people that don't that struggle with their faith and try to push it on me because they're struggling with it. That's the problem. If you're strong in your faith, you're not going to push it on anybody. 
Well, it's a, it's a personal thing anyways. Well, I mean, they're being told to take it to people. These dudes knocked on my door. Yeah, no doubt. That's their thing. They have to do that right. missionary. They don't have to, but it's suggested they did, that they do it and they do it. And they learn a lot. All those guys from going door to door and being told to go fuck yourself, guess what they become really good at? Masturbating. <laughs> Dude, they can't have their own room. Did you know that? They have to always uh, be bunked up together. Yeah, so they're masturbating a lot when they take showers. The shower probably has some semen in it, I am (laughs) imagining. (laughs) Not theirs. Can you imagine the time I spent masturbating from the time I was 19 to 22? Was every time I was alone. Well, let's, let's kick it to the Secret Weekly and explore this topic more. All right, that's a lot. Uh, Listen, go leave a positive review. If you like the show, check out Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the letters I-O-K. Bunch of cool stuff over there for you to get involved. People are joining the Patreon every week. It's very cool. Bob's other podcast is called The Song Club. Mine's called Metal Up Your Podcast. And we love you guys. We'll see you on the flip-flop. Peace. Peace. (laughs) 